Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Welcome to Cosmopolitan's All the Way with. I'm Laura Capon and I'm Paisley Gilmore and this week we'll be joined by Eta who coordinates sex scenes for TV. I've been looking forward to this one for weeks. I know you have. Your enthusiasm honestly <laughs> fills me with joy. I love it. I know. I make so up much. for your lack of it. No, I've got so much enthusiasm. I love all of the shows she's worked on, as do you. So, I mean, we talk about them all the time on this podcast. Normal People, I May Destroy You, like both our favourites. Mm. I won't tell them all now. We'll keep some of them as a surprise. Before we meet Eater, though, I need to tell you something. Yeah, oh, you can't see, but I'm clenching my fists. <laughs> the worst thing happened to me this weekend. Oh, oh a bad thing. Oh, no, what? Well, not worst, but just like the least, the least thing that you want. That doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, Elsie has been obsessed with the fact that I've been trying to have a threesome. Only because <laughs> I'm so vanilla, as we've learned. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with that. We're not kink shaming anyone. Um, so anyway, I completed my mission and it was fine. And um, <laughs> that's all we shall say about that. That's for another, co- we'll use that in another piece of content. Um, but I went to this event on Saturday night, like a, luckily a socially distanced, like kind of event run by a, a kind of queer sex positive events company okay and um (laughs) I walked in with six of my friends and I sat down and I looked at the table next to me bear in mind you can't move tables you can't get up (laughs) because it's covid I looked to my right and who do you think was there Laura Capon oh was it the couple it was the bloody couple oh and and is this the first time because you haven't and we haven't, as far as I'm, you haven't spoken since mm, the threesome. We haven't messaged. They didn't check even to see if I got home, okay? Thanks, guys. Aww. Don't worry about me. Um, so I looked to the right, saw them, and just my instant reaction was, I just went, oh, shit. <laughs> and everyone <laughs> turned and looked at me, and I was like... And one of my friends said as a joke, ha-ha, it's not the couple you had a threesome with, is it? Because I'd been... <laughs> at, at pre-drinks before the event, I'd been telling them the whole story... Oh, it was just awful. Anyway, they came and spoke to me in the end. and I just Oh, they did? They did. Was that worse? Yes. And also, they were sat with someone I know through work who later came up to me at the bar and said, I've just heard a story about you, you fucking legend. And I was like, no. So also, I feel that's not fair, like, to go and tell that story. Like, that's a very intimate story. I agree. But I do think given my job and the space, I kind of forgive them for it. If it was like, you know, a, a professional party and they did it, yeah. it would be out of order. Did they um, say why they hadn't texted? I know it was kind of mutual between you as well, but... Yeah, well, they knew I was dating someone else anyway. And obviously they're a couple. They don't... And yeah. I don't care. Uh, no, they didn't say. But it just got me thinking about like those horrible... You can't just have a <laughs> night out in no. London 
where you can't, where you don't bump into people. Have you ever? I haven't bumped into any of my couples I've slept with. <laughs> Your many, many couples. <laughs> I've had that awkward thing of like, um, I remember when I like confessed, you know, when you do something when you're drunk and you like confess your love to someone, I confessed my love to someone. Cold and then, sick. you know, and you see them again for like the first time yeah. and you're not expecting it. And I did this awkward, like, we hadn't addressed it. It had just, <laughs> just <laughs> pretended it didn't happen. And I did this awkward like wave, but it was more like, um, you know, a netball, like a shoulder pass, like a wave that almost was like a high five. It was at, like, it. E- even my friends who I was with were like, why did you do like a shoulder pass? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And I bumped, who else have I bumped into? My, um, an ex-boyfriend in um, Waitrose at Christmas. <laughs> this is like a Richard Curtis film. And I was like holding a mini tree. <laughs> like a mini Christmas tree. And the worst thing, he was with his nan. And you know when you like, oh. you get to know the fact, and I loved his nan, but also it's like, I don't, oh God, I don't want to talk now. Like I look like shit. Mm, no, and, I, I've, and I've seen his mum and I was holding a box of fish fingers on this occasion. <laughs> And it got Sorry. to got to a point where you know you just want to go because you've had that. Oh, so where are you living now? And then I was like, oh, better go. My fish fingers are defrosting. No, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I know. And now I just think about that, and I just oh, so funny. Do you know what? Thank you because mine was like, oh, I bumped into them at this really cool like queer sex event. How awful! <laughs> and you, you topped it, mate. <laughs> honestly the fish finger one is is probably the worst and I'm always just so awkward because I feel like it's rude to ignore them but equally I chat to them and I'm like no I don't want to do this why are we doing this I know I wish there was like a universal way to deal with that because like a badge maybe you know like um oh (laughs) save me a seat but like spare me your chat (laughs) yeah not up for talking we need that for exes in the supermarket it's always the supermarket and I've always got greasy hair in a bun yeah, you always you always look mm. like shit, and when you look good, you don't see anyone. Don't see yourself. No, a cricket, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> My fish fingers are defrosting. Better go. <laughs> <laughs> you probably just are like, oh, what, what a quirky girl. Oh, <laughs> kooky that Laura. <laughs> The one that got away. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I understand now why he dumped her. Yeah, Yeah, makes sense. Um, (laughs) On to Eater. Yes. We're joined today by Eater O'Brien, who for the last six years has been directing and supervising sex scenes in TV, film and theatre. Her job involves helping film crews and actors understand best practice when working with intimacy, nudity and scenes with sexual content. Welcome, Eater. Hi. Hello, hello. I am. I mean, I've said already so many times how excited I am to have you on. But I honestly, I didn't know your job existed. I didn't know you existed. And now I'm obsessed with you, basically. That is so (laughs) creepy. It's gone from I don't know who you are to I'm in love with you. (laughs) Which is completely mad. Um, And I'm, I'm, yes, but I'm delighted to be here. And thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for putting up with the weirdness of your (laughs) on. So would we refer to your job as intimacy coordinator? Is that like your, what do you have on LinkedIn? Yes, intimacy coordinator, absolutely. Okay. I just yes. wanted to check that. <laughs> yes, yes. And what does um, being an intimacy coordinator involve? 
An intimacy coordinator is a practitioner who brings um, open communication and transparency regarding um, talking about the intimate content. And that's right from the get go, from producers and to directors, um, right the way through to wardrobe, first ADs, actors, through to creating the work. Um, we put in place agreement and consent, and that's of touch of simulated sexual content and of nudity regarding all the content that's been asked to the actor. And then we give a clear choreography to the intimate content. So we give a really clear structure so that everybody knows what's happening, meaning that everybody can bring their best work to the intimate content. Ah, so you don't just pop up when they start filming the sex scenes, you like have input on when they're even writing them and... Um, sometimes we have input, input when we're writing them, but what we absolutely do have is, is um, right from the get-go, producers seeing the script and um, seeing it as intimate content they, on productions that they contact us at that point and then, then we're part of the preparation right the way through to film. That's always when it works the best. So would most like larger production TV films, theatres, have um, an intimacy coordinator? um it's getting there as you know as you're saying you didn't know this role existed um this role didn't really exist you know the first actual tv productions that i did work on was uh, um sex education um before that i was putting the work in place in um in theater and i was teaching the work um so it's it's early days and um so many many productions are coming to us um when they need support the intimate content but as yet it's not known throughout the whole industry and indeed just as i've explained to you actually what we bring as practitioners isn't known particularly the aspect of you know that it's not just safeguarding we're not just helping to check in with the actors and do the nudity waivers but it is actually bringing a skill of um, physical storytelling, just like a stunt coordinator. You wouldn't say to stunt coordinator, just come along and um, check out the actors are okay, make sure the nudity babies are there and then stand back and don't do anything. You know the stunt coordinator is going to teach techniques for how to throw a punch and then they're going to, you know, choreograph it really clearly so it's telling the right storytelling. They're going to be there teaching those skills, choreographing it really clearly so that you get the best things possible. And that's the extra bit that is not quite understood sometimes um, of the, the, what the intimacy coordinator is bringing to the whole process. It seems bizarre that there hasn't been someone doing that on all productions since day one, doesn't it? Like, it just seems like so necessary. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's also come from, I feel like you said sex education was your first and obviously that's been received so well, um, especially regarding the sex scenes. Do you think that's people like, oh, what do they do differently there? And then they found you? Um, so, yes. So, so first of all, yes, isn't it mad? Isn't it mad that before now... Yes, it was wrong that there wasn't the idea that you needed a practitioner, just like if there was a dance, you had to have a choreographer or yeah. a fight, a stunt coordinator. And and my sense of that is that that thing that um you know that everybody just doesn't walk down the street knowing how to do a waltz. You know you're going to need to teach them the timing of that and the choreography and the steps. Likewise, everybody doesn't walk down the street knowing how to do swordplay really brilliantly. But the sense that perhaps everybody in some form or other as human beings will have their you know own sexual expression. And so not having the sense that actually you need to do a risk assessment and actually as practitioners, we're bringing choreographic skills, you know, we're being, we're body practitioners and we're bringing that skill of going, this is actually a body dance. 
You've got two people moving together, either in rhythm or against a rhythm with each other, and that needs to be um, choreographed really clearly so that everybody's comfortable. So that's why I think it wasn't there in the first, you know, that, that there wasn't an expanding to actually realise there's a risk and actually we need to choreograph this. Yeah. And um, I guess just for anyone who doesn't know that, could you explain like why that's so important? Because obviously there've been a lot of people coming out saying they've worked on films before where maybe they weren't so comfortable in retrospect with how it was kind of the sex scenes were conducted. That's right. Well, actually, then it brings it to the next bit. The other reason that 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 this wasn't dealt with well is because people are just embarrassed to talk mm. about the sexual content in an open and adult way, talking about it professionally. So that was a big part of it, also. And um, and so in that place, before without there being a practitioner to bring a skill, and without there being a process by which you know we're invited to talk about the intimate content openly and professionally, right from the producer, director, right from the get go, that then invariably the content was left it wasn't discussed and it was the elephant in the room that was everybody knew was there and wasn't dealt with and so it meant that sort of people would um the actors would turn up on the day they'd be saying to the wardrobe people oh my goodness I've got the intimate scenes today what modesty clothing do you have help and then they come on set and they're just expected to just go for it and in all of those situations it means that um you know somebody can't really be serving the storytelling professionally you know also the director wasn't necessarily even getting the content that they really wanted wanted um, because it wasn't discussed it wasn't open it wasn't clear and then that's where a lot of the times you you know you, you got this sense of um you know as an audience when we watch the intimate content feeling in, it was embarrassing and I, my sense is that what we were feeling as an audience was actually the actors personally feeling uncomfortable um, into the intimate content because it wasn't clear. They didn't know where they were going to be touched. They didn't know if where they were going to touch their partner was okay for them. And in that in-between place of you know, invariably actors always want to try and do their best, but they'd be trying to do their best while also not really being sure if what's going to happen to them personally was okay. And that's where we've got this re really weird situation. And as you said, all these stories of actors saying how awkward, how uncomfortable it was to do the intimate content, but it doesn't have to be like that anymore. I was just thinking how much that mirrors the way people feel about and have sex in real life as well. Like they're not sure about the boundaries, the communication, wanting to perform. It's all kind of really similar to real life. Yeah. Because we just don't yes. talk about it. That's right. That's right. Um, yes, it's 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 um it's a delicate thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in in you know in real life, and then even more in you know professionally. But that's where when you have the open communication, then you can have the joy of, um you know I had um one of the productions in the early days. I really worked hard with the producers and and with the you know with the ads to make sure I put in place the time for rehearsal. And then I got a message from the um, production saying, "Oh, the actor doesn't want to rehearse." He doesn't want to make it a bigger thing than it needs to be. Aww. I know, I know. And of course, it's that thing that that's still in that realm. It's a thing. It's a yeah. thing to be got over. And actually, when you flip it and you go, actually, this is natural. It's normal. It's a really important bit of our human storytelling in any story that it's in. And it's, it should become a no thing. It should just become something that you deal with professionally, openly, so you can make the best work. And as you can see from all the productions that I have worked on, where they have embraced the role and put in place a really good process, like sex education, normal people, I may destroy you, um, then that means that you can. it does become just a normal, another part of the arc of our storytelling worked 
in a really professional way and we will make really good content. Yeah. So how did you get into this eat it? Like, um, what's your kind of background? How, how do you know, like, um, what we all don't know? <laughs> that sounded so accusatory. No, I, I meant, you know? <laughs> I know, I meant it in a genuine, like, please, can you teach us? <laughs> um, my journey has been, I feel like I've been guided and blessed to, to, to gradually come through to the point that I am now. So my journey in the profession was that I actually started dancing um, at the age of three. My my wow. family's Irish, I know. My mum wanted me to do Irish dancing lessons and, um, <laughs> and in South East London there wasn't any, so she sent me to this amazing ballet teacher called Mrs Handel in Hayes. And then the school that I went to happened to have this most amazing ballet teacher called Madeline Sharp. So I, I trained as a ballet dancer, was a scholar at the Royal Academy of Dancing, went to Bush Davis and then ended up working as a musical theatre dancer for 10 years. I retrained at Bristol Vic um, in acting and worked as an actor for eight years. And then when my kids were young, looked at what I could do that wasn't taking me all around the country. And so did the MA in movement studies at Central School of Speech and Drama. And so worked as a movement teacher and a movement director since 2007. And then I'd written my own play and then was looking at, um, I'd put that on and then I was looking at doing a, a larger piece, a device piece, looking at the dynamic of abuse in our society, the flip side of the perpetrator and the victim. And in that process, looking at how do I keep my actors safe? What processes and principles should I be putting in place in the rehearsal room to make sure my actors could be present, centred, grounded, both in themselves with the ensemble in the space in order to explore that work in a really healthy and, and um, robust way. And then in particular, most importantly, to be able to let go of that work at the end of the day. And in that process started developing, you know, sort of how I was working. And then I got asked to start teaching what I was developing. And then through that, and that was in April 2015, started teaching the work. And um and as I, year after year, the actors were going, this is great to be taught this, but what about in the profession? And so I started developing guidelines and shared the guidelines in the professions in um, June 2017 and was, you know, in, in conversation with equity. And then um, October 2017, Weinstein, you know, happened, the Me Too and the Time's Up movement. And I was there already, had prepared the guidelines saying, look, here's a process by which we can work with the intimate content in a really open adult professional way and yeah and then the rest is from that came then the role of the intimacy coordinator and then the work that you've now seen yeah. you know invariably a movement director would have would help get them warmed up a bit have that physical shape physical frame and yeah just be in their bodies themselves that's one of the things Michaela Cole said about um, I heard her say on a on um, an interview around coming in to help support them with I May Destroy that of course I'm coming in as a movement person having a sense of let's just warm our bodies up and get into our bodies in order to tell this physical story and um, and that was really lovely to hear her say that that sort of that's inherently yeah. part of who I am and what I bring but that's a really important part you know intimate content is about going from you know it might be a gaze to start off with into intimate dialogue and then dropping into that touch and into whatever intimate choreography there needs to be it is a body dance we need to get into our bodies in order to tell that story so when when you get to work on that so when say when you go to film that scene have you just got like rough guidelines of what needs to happen and then you direct and work with the actors to be like well then you touch him there or she does this or how, how does it like how does it actually work in practice so it's always really important and for the industry to know this my work is absolutely to serve the director's vision 
So always starts with speaking to the director. What do you want? What do you see from this scene? You know, you can read a scene, you can have an idea in your head, but actually the director might have something completely different. So it starts from there. And then the work with the actors is then going from the actors to the actor-director rehearsal. So there's the intimacy coordinator. I'd be present, you know, but invariably do a read-through, discuss the scene, what's the scene about, what are the beats of the scene, what's the power play. Already from that discussion, you're getting a sense. And I'm also, as a body person, I'm watching the impulses of the actors, you know, that shift of who they are in their personal selves to how they talk about this, um, the character. So we're looking at what the energy is of this character. And then once we know what the basic shape of the scene is, then we'll get up and then I'll sort of put in place, okay, so we know that these, these particular body parts are in play. So we'll agree touch, we'll have that moment of agreement and consent. And that's incredibly important. And the shift in the industry is at that point sort of um, checking out what are you happy with physically being in play? But most importantly, what are you not happy with? Where are your no-go areas? Um, and also I sort of always say to the actor, you know, your yes is your yes, your no is your no, and your areas of maybe are also a no. Because as soon as you're not sure, you can't really be free as the actor. So checking yeah. out, to, out what body parts are in play and then we'll choreograph really clearly. So it is absolutely that. So, you know, you have that gaze, step forward, put your hand on the cheek into kissing, into lying back on the bed. You know, so, so the, the shape of this, the structure of the intimate content is really clearly choreographed. And again, as I say, while well, I'll be helping the actors to choreograph it, I'm absolutely taking from everything that they have shared, their impulses are absolutely I'm making the intimate content, you know, sort of... Um, so that it's natural for that particular actor. Um, and then once the actors know what the physical shape is, then they can go, phew, great. It's, oh, and it really is lovely. I'll get, once we find our way through it, I'll get them to repeat it again and again. And then by then, like I was working with a young actor and he was really nervous. And by the time we then did, okay, and again, he goes, oh, right. It's like a, a, a dance that I've done forever. And, it, and you can yeah. see him go, great, great. I can now relax on this. Now I can get on and really do a good job acting this scene. Yeah. So would you say like, um, I'm just thinking of like improv and things, would you say that's a bad thing um, for actors to be encouraged to do in sex scenes because of the consent issue? So improvisation as an actor's tool is really important and a really um, exciting tool. So it's not about not having improvisation, but it is about putting in place a couple of boundaries. So one of the things that we put out in place is a timeout. So be it if we're working in theatre in a rehearsal or um, on set, that we the actor has the autonomy to halt the action. So one of the things you can put in place for improvisation is to have that time out. So as soon as anything happens that you're not comfortable with, to have a halt to the action. Another really good way of improvising is to have all of that action without any actual touch. So you can get as close as you like, but no actual touch. And then you can really have that free song of the power play and one on top of the other. And But as soon as you brush or touch, then the improvisation stops and the director can be watching and go, great, that moment was brilliant, that moment was brilliant. And then you'd go through the same process of um, agreement okay. and consent for the bits that you've seen that you really like and then and then re-remember it, re-choreograph it. So, um, so, no, so there are absolutely ways that we can as you, as a, you know can work with improvisation but still work with the idea of you know agreement and consent and putting those place those boundaries of time out so what makes a good sex scene i don't know you tell me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think every scene hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. In normal people. Um. <laughs> Yay! Brilliant. <laughs> Um, no, so so for me, you know, what I'm looking at doing is is um, what's the storytelling, you know, um, and I'll, um, how Sally Rooney speaks about, you know, how she wrote the intimate content is exactly what I'm, you know, as, as a as a practitioner is bringing is what why is this storytelling there? Um, what's it telling us? How's it pushing the story forward? What's it telling us about each of these characters? What's it teaching us about these characters in relationship? What are the beats of the scene? What's the character's intention? What do they want? What's stopping them from getting them what they want? And once you do that, you know, which is basic, the basic work of actor-director interrogating the scene, then, then there's a real clarity of, of, you know, so the actor can be full of really serving all of that conversation. The direct, you know, again, that conversation is about, you know, the director's vision into that. And then then once you've got that detail, then you just journey your way through choreographing it really clearly. And for me, that's what that's what gives a really good scene. So, for example, all those scenes in um in normal people, each and every scene, those characters at a different point in their in their lives. There are different, you know, perhaps the scene in episode six where they've, you know, been with other people, they've come back together. That's what we're looking at. That that, that where are they now? You know, what body parts are in play because of where they're at? What do they want to express with each other? And when you have the time and space to really you know interrogate all of that and make sure that that's in what you what you bring to the scene then it gives really good storytelling um you know just just like you see in normal people so interesting because I was just thinking like obviously there's so many bad sex scenes out there historically and I, I thought like they're usually to me they seem like they're just made just to show shagging do you know what I mean like yeah I don't know if I can trash talk individual films but don't know if anyone has seen blue is the warmest color um I've heard about it but I haven't seen have it. you yeah there's just like a super long super I guess over the top like sex scene between two women and obviously all queer people are like no one shags like that that's ridiculous mm-hmm. you're not showing queer sex for what it is yeah. but it's like oh it was made by some dude and you know he doesn't know um and it's just kind of almost gratuitous whereas yeah. hearing Eta say that it's like that's how it should be it's meant to be about yeah showing how the characters are changing or what they're thinking which normal people just 
smashes, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and actually that very quickly becomes clear um, through that process. Um, if, a, if an image or shape is there that actually doesn't really serve as storytelling, then that very quickly gets called out. So I had a situation on a, a film we were working on that there was a, a shape proposed and then through that conversation with the actors and the director, that that shape actually, you know, the the, the actors were talking about what this really means, what is this moment, and um, and then through that interrogation with the director, very soon that sort of perhaps more gratuitous physical shape that was proposed fell away, and actually they were all very excited about actually an alternative of what they were coming up with that really served storytelling that the actors were comfortable with, and that's the kind of um, you know bringing in that really creative process through that interrogation so that the actors aren't feeling compromised and the physicality is really telling the storytelling, and then everybody is really happy and can get behind you know then the intimate content that has that they have you know discovered together. Do you have any uh, favourite scenes that you've done that kind of stand out in your mind? Um, I, 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 I'm always very excited when I feel there's something that's a really important physical storytelling to be told that hasn't perhaps been told before. So one of the ones I'm really proud of and was really excited with was the um was a period sex scene in I May Destroy You. Yeah, yeah. Yay. So have many people it? messaged me being like, "Have you seen this scene?" <laughs> wow. Yes. Isn't that so important? So yes. important. Um. And again, that's, you know, the courage and the amazing writing and the amazing um, cre- creativity of Michaela Cole is serving her vision. But, but um, you know, her writing that scene, writing the detail of that scene, writing the paraphernalia of, you know, what we use for our menstrual, you know, when we're menstruating, that that, that was all in there was really, really exciting. And um, as, as I was saying, sort of if you think that um, half the population of the world spend roughly... 40 years of their lives engaged in menstruation one week of the year. So that's around about 480 weeks of half the population's lives engaged in their menstruation. And yet how often is it part of our storytelling that you see? So I was so, so, um, you know, amazed and and delighted to see that scene. And um, then that journey through to creating the scene, choreographing it really clearly, honouring Michaela's vision and, um, the, you know, the props department on I May Destroy You, what they created for it as well. So again, it's a whole collaboration of, of the whole production, you know, really honouring this beautiful moment. And I'm so proud of that one. Do you know what, though? I was thinking about that and also the scene. It might be the first time um, Marianne and Connell have sex in normal people and there's mm. a discussion about condom use. And I feel like it's a double-edged sword because you're watching it and you go, oh, my God, that's amazing. You never see people talking about um, protection on telly. And then it makes you sad because you're like, why the hell do you never yeah. see that? It's like, I'm so excited that's happened, but why is it only just happening now? It makes me kind of a bit miserable. Yes. <laughs> I know I was thinking that when I saw your question there, I was thinking, has it not been seen that often? I was trying to think my way back. But regardless, you know, both normal people and I May Destroy You and also, you know, sex education, there's there's been, um, you know, the very, very opening scene of, you know, sex education, isn't it? It's like having that sex and then him taking off the condom. Mm. So, so having those beats written and then being able to really clearly choreograph and have that paraphernalia is so important. So, so yes, the scene at the top of episode two on normal people, again, is such an important 
scene again it's honoring Sally Rooney's vision Sally Rooney's beautiful writing and that that delicate journeying through each of those beats and so important that both the request for protection is part of their their beautiful journeying to being intimate it's shown that it doesn't interrupt or stop the passion but is a really important part and it's, um in conversation with some people I've heard them say that they're going to use that scene in sex education you know for young people so they can see that actually asking for protection you know having that as part of your practice paraphernalia through to you know through to to um to your sex you know to your sexual expression can be a beautiful part of just that journey through to intercourse Definitely, especially because so many people look to pop culture, films, TV to kind of learn how to have sex because we don't really talk about it. It's so important that it's done right. Yeah, yes. Uh, yeah. And while we were making the scene, we were we were aware of what an important scene it was, but we were just honouring each and every one of those beats. And um, and it wasn't until, yes, then re-watching it, just, just, just having an impact on myself as well of what an important scene it is um, and how, how positive it is for that to be out there. Do you do any um, like activities with your actors to help them build that intimacy? Because everyone was so obsessed with Connell and Marianne because <laughs> they just felt so real. All I can think is, you know, those activities where it's like you fall and your partner catches you. I'm sure you yeah. can do that. But is there anything like, ho- <laughs> is there like homework you give them or um, different kind of things? Um. Well... Because again, so, so so with um with the sex education, I was um um you know at the very top of that, I was saying to when I first met Ben Taylor and John Jennings regarding building that trust that the best thing I can do, not just for the actors but for the whole production, to to know and trust what the role of the intimacy coordination was was to do the workshop. So there, it was amazing. We um we had a whole day's workshop where we sat around as I do in any workshop sharing when the intimacy work has been done well when it's been challenging and you know and on what they want to get out of the work um and then journeyed through to actually you know creating some of the intimate scenes that we picked out from from the series and then again with normal people just having that initial rehearsal day so I was in the studio with Lenny Paul and Daisy sharing the work having a warm-up working on a first scene you know way before we got to filming in that relaxed place um, so that everybody understands, you know, the process of the work and having that chance to sort of just connect in with each other and and demystify that journey through to creating. You know, it's, it's very often I just choose a moment of intimacy and Lenny um, said, actually, no, I'd like to do this scene, which is one of the ones that was quite a full on scene. It's like, oh, right. OK. But of course, <laughs> absolutely right. Because then it was like, oh, wow, this full on scene that was intercourse, you know, kissing, sitting on top of, you know, we found our way through it. And by the end, the actors go, oh, right, great. That's how it's going to be done. And then that's what gives the confidence. And I feel, you know, knowing that there's that confidence, there's that open communication then allows for people to be comfortable personally so they can artistically give all of their beautiful skills, all the vulnerability that the characters bring. And I think that's what helps to build the trust. Um, but then also I can't, you know, Paul and Daisy are both just the most beautiful people the most beautiful, fantastic actors. And so, of course, the other side of it is this, everything that they brought themselves, um, you know, as, as the amazing practitioners that they are. Mm. And um, and Lenny Abrahamson, the space that he holds, um, he's such a beautiful, beautiful, again, beautiful man as well as a beautiful director. So all of that goes to help create, you know, the content that you saw for normal people. Oh, I still think about it now. <laughs> um, do they wear, like, nude-coloured pants? 
and bras and stuff. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It's They're really, not really naked, important. Are they, so? Never, okay. never, never naked. Well, okay. When there's intimate, that when there's intimate um, sexual content, never ever it do bare genitalia ever touch. Okay. Um, so the least that you would have on is the lady have a genitalia patch and the geni- and the gentleman a genitalia pouch. Um, and then I've taken to have the genitalia pouch with a patch over the top that helps keep the cat the actor really comfortable um and um and yes and then we have so that's where before the role of the intimacy coordinator the wardrobe department have or are the experts in supporting the actor and providing all of those journeys of um of intimacy garments then so we have then as you say flesh colored g-strings flesh colored pants flesh colored shorts flesh colored camisole tops um so that and we always so for a scene that you might think that they are completely naked we'll only have them with just the least amount the genitalia patches and pouches when it's absolutely necessary as soon as there's a two shot we'll have them with their flesh colored shorts on or their tracksuit bottoms on so so it's absolutely that journey of um of having the actress covered as possible so that they are always as comfortable as possible and that's absolutely worked with in conjunction with the wardrobe department um having all of those um you know regenerative um modesty garments ready and and of course not just in in the right modesty garments but things like i made a story you really important that they're also in the right um skin tone and all of that has to be prepared mm. in advance that's as well a big part of just opening up that conversation right from the get-go in pre-production time so that every actor feels really taken care of and um, and looked after in that way um, and not to be like a 13-year-old boy, but oh. um, <laughs> do um, actors ever get turned on during sex scenes? Or I don't know, because you always hear those rumours of like, oh, they were having sex for real. Yeah. Um, or is it all just, I mean, I guess it's not awkward with you, but I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like if if I was kissing Paul, I would be turned on. <laughs> I, I'm, not a pro- I'm not a professional actress, funnily enough. I get because like bodies are bodies, and you can't. Sometimes yeah. you can't control whether you get a boner or get wet, can you? It just happens. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I have my little statement. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, that it's absolutely natural and normal when two bodies are moving together to become aroused. However, it's not suitable to have an erection in the workplace. <laughs> um, so that's where you'd call a timeout. Absolutely. Um, and I always say, you know, as you say, for a lady, it's not so obvious if she becomes aroused for a man. Becoming a man can be very obvious. <laughs> and I always say, don't wait until it becomes obvious. You can feel if you're becoming aroused. Just call that time out. Nobody needs to know why. Take a break. Five minutes. Go outside, get some fresh air, whatever. So, yes, it's a natural and normal part of what we talk about. It's, it is normal. And of course, particularly the male actors, there, you know, there's that worry and concern. But it's once you just normalise it, go look. It's natural and normal, um, and this is and this is a professional way in which we deal with that. Um, and for example, the other thing that I bring in to a production is also for the ladies of uh, for, for people who are menstruating to um to to ask um when their menstrual cycle is so that we so that a production can try and um schedule the intimate content when that person isn't menstruating um oh, that's yeah a really and just nice touch yeah and just bringing that awareness in and of course sometimes you know as much as you try and do that um sometimes it can work sometimes it just doesn't work so you're still ending up doing those scenes when your actor is menstruating but what's great is that when again once it's out in the open once you have that open conversation about it it's natural it's normal then um 
then if the actor is menstruating, then we can go, okay, so we won't go to genitalia patched on this day. We'll stick with at least flesh-coloured G-strings or flesh-coloured shorts and we'll just look at different camera angles um, so that the actor can be taken care of and the, and the production is still getting the shots that they need. Oh, that's so... I never thought about periods while yes. filming that stuff. Oh, of course. And it makes it so... Can you imagine? It makes it so much more, you know, vulnerable making for the actor yeah, if they are menstruating. But again, you know, just talking about it and then making sure they're going, right, this is this is the least I'm going to go down to. Um, and, yeah. yeah. We never really see, like... Um, as much, we, we kind of tend to see like penetrative sex, but not much oral sex. Is it, mm-hmm. is it like harder to film someone going down on someone than it um, is like intercourse? Yes. I've had my fair few, but um, <laughs> um, I'm sure you have with your progressive, <laughs> lovely shows you work on. <laughs> um, so, yes, again, it's just that clear choreography. Again, you don't want, you know, just as we have no bare genitalia touch, so I tend to work with mm. um, genitalia cushions. So you're putting cushions in place. Um, so, of course, mm. you don't want to mouth, you know, so there's an extra barrier between someone's mouth and, and, and the genital area. And then we're looking at where thighs go, where hands go, what the camera angle is, so that the oral sex can, you can, you're still telling that physical storytelling while having, you know, the actors completely comfortable with the physical journey that they're actually performing um so yes so for okay. example there's a lovely moment in gentleman jack where where um oh, yeah <laughs> where Anne lister has a flashback to a memory of a relationship in paris that's a full-on beautiful moment of um of oral sex coming through to orgasm um so yeah that's making me want to watch it because everyone was like, you're queer, you should watch Gentleman Jack. And I was like, piss off, I'm sick of period dramas. Lesbians are always in high necks, I can't be asked. But that, <laughs> that's making me want to watch it. Have you not seen <laughs> Gentleman Jack? No. Oh, yes, go and okay. watch it. You, and, did you work uh, on that, did you say? Yes, yes, that yes. That was your scene. Oh, I'm, I'm in. Uh, yeah. And I was in as well. <laughs> and, and, and also, that's absolutely the conversation that we had, you know, so again, on our rehearsal day, we had all the actors who are going to be performing those intimate scenes, so Saran Jones, um, Sophie Rundle, with Sally, you know, and the uh, three other actresses with Sally Wainwright and Anne Chomer, the expert um, historian and the director of the second block. And again, we sat round and absolutely that was a conversation. You know, Mm. this amazing woman, Anne Lister, from, you know, born in um, um, 1780, you know, writing these incredible diaries that encode that were then gradually being uncovered, you know, really honouring how she spoke about her sexual encounters, um, her, her the loving of the of her different relationships, and making sure that we absolutely honoured the queer community. You know, so I did a lot of research, you know, I had the, the lesbian handbook, um, <laughs> lesbian karma sutra, um, again, making sure that the physicality that and and the quality of the relationship into that intimate content. Um, you know, absolutely told the right storytelling. And and that's one of the things I have been really proud of is the queer community gone, yes, thank you. Other, other than the fact Saran Jones's nails were too long. Um. <laughs> oh, and, do you know what? Someone's always bitching about lesbians' nails. So please, yeah. So so again, that was our intention. And I was really, really proud that this, um, that it was felt that we, we got it right. Oh, that's great. Um, and Ita, just to finish, what uh, are you working on next? 
Oh, goodness. Um, I have some really, really exciting projects coming up, but unfortunately I have um, signed NDAs for all of them. So um, so I can't tell you what they are that I'm working on now, but I'm, t- I'm so I'm so honoured um, and blessed with the amazing productions that I've been invited in on. But um, Brave New World was going to be coming out very shortly. Actually, you can watch the first episode on Now TV now, and it's on Sky One from the 2nd of October. Um, I did my homework either. <laughs> That's got some really quite, again, groundbreaking, amazing orgy scenes. Some other... Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> first one was choreographed by this. Um, so we had the most beautiful, beautiful dancers um, that Maxine Doyle choreographed and then into, you know, from this stunning dancing, descending into this beautiful group orgasm that has... You know, because it's um, Aldous Huxley's um, Isaac Asimov's world and um, that journey through to, you know, where sex is just natural, open. In fact, it's your duty to share yourself with with the community. It's actually against the rules of that community to be monogamous. Um, and so really bringing that openness and that beauty and that freedom to, to a social orgasm. So, so, so look out for that one. That's, That's coming up. So as an intimacy coordinator, an orgy scene must be like the hardest work, surely. It's so many people. That's right. It takes a lot of preparation. Again, really, it's sort of how we, we journey through that agreement and consent so that nobody, so that everybody's comfortable with all the physicality that's been asked of them. So, yes, it's, you know, and, and, and working with Maxine Doyle on that, we sort of journeyed our way through um, with really good rehearsals so that we ended up, you know, creating um scenes that i'm really proud of can't wait for that thank you yeah thank you so much for your time Eta. um and brave new world is on now tv i think isn't it now tv and sky one i'm pretty sure that's what um rebecca told us at the beginning yes (laughs) and and then of course there's there's um i may hate my um i hate susie that's out at the moment but also myself Ah. and my whole team of intimacy coordinators from intimacy onset work town so that's another quite quite incredible production I've just started watching that, so I'm going to keep my peepers out. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Eta. Thank, Thank you. Bye. It's a joy to talk to you. God bless. You bye, bye. bye. Thank you, Eta. Bye. Uh, that was... <laughs> I'm speechless. Um, I love her. How interesting was that? Um, that all the things you don't think of when you watch a sex scene, all the things that have... All the modesty patches that have gone into that. <laughs> no <laughs> flesh coloured g-string hubba hubba and um, also it makes me yeah. feel a bit sorry for actors obviously not the actors that work with Eta but um yeah the, the amount of pressure on them as well oh, knowing that everyone's God. gonna see it like if you think of a film like 50 shades of grey where everyone like critiqued dakota's body as well as everything and also you're going into that filming something really intimate with a bunch of people you don't know loads of people like staring looking at you i mean we didn't speak to eater about this but i've read that in um shows like sex education they tend to just have like the intimacy coordinator and one person filming instead of a whole crew because it's like everyone's staring at you yeah god um it'd be horrible wouldn't it but i'm so glad that she obviously is being recognised for her work and therefore mm. it definitely more um, productions will have intimacy coaches um, yeah. in terms of like a safety aspect, but also from like, it's just makes it so much better. Yeah. And from a viewer's point of view, it's going to educate people on sex and like sexual experiences in a much healthier, progressive way as well. Oh, it's just brilliant. It is. Although I was just, you know, you still saying about the timeouts. God, if I was with Paul, I'd be like, how many timeouts do you need? (laughs) (laughs) 
also be like, why have you got a boner else soon? You'd be like, no, I'm just a bit flustered. I need to time out. <laughs> I'm just gently sweating. Just, oh. <laughs> I think I think I'll end it now. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Um, this brings us to the end of this episode of Cosmopolitan's All The Way With. Thanks to Eta for joining us and to you for listening. If you have any sex questions or dating dilemmas, message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK. Cosmopolitan's All The Way With was recorded by Number 8 Studios and is available to download on Acast, iTunes and all the usual podcast apps. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.